Hi, this is Stephen G. Fullwood, and this is my American Age Coda for last week's episode on Joe Rogan. There are many things you can say about Joe Rogan, obviously, martial artist, actor, and the most famous podcaster in the world right now. And what's interesting about Joe Rogan to me isn't really about Joe Rogan at this moment. It's this idea that if you have a platform, that you are responsible for what people say on your show. I thought that was what the whole idea, the whole idea of the um, the disclaimer at the beginning of TV shows uh, that the the views expressed by the viewer are not the you know the opinions of the person. And so right now we're wrestling with that, and and we're what to be very clear about it. What we're wrestling with is how responsible should someone be if they give a platform to someone else. And so there's a really interesting article in Vox called How Do You Solve a Problem Like Joe Rogan? Um, the problem of Joe Rogan is a problem of the modern internet. And it's an interesting article, but I took, I, I'm going to quote something I thought was that hits at the heart of what I'm wrestling with. And it's that what we have then is a problem that is both unique to the internet and reflective of the giant problem of the internet as a whole. Like the internet itself, Rogan and whatever dangerous misinformation, conspiracy theories, jerky bigotry, or offensive views he wants to serve up today are all unstoppable and essentially unanswerable to no one. He has all of the audience, money, attention, and prestige of a traditional gatekeeper, but with barely any real pressure to assume the responsibility for repeatedly making high-profile high mistakes on the job. Rogan has also increasingly faced charges of being an alt-right gateway drug, despite being perhaps even because of his progressive political endorsements and research into YouTube's ballooning far-right sphere of influence has been born out of some of that alarm. Though Rogan has never overtly court courted the internet manosphere with its long tail of toxicity and function as an introduction to into, into harder extremi- extremism, Many of his fans are drawn to his podcast for the same reasons they're drawn to the manosphere. Rogan's permissive, understanding approach to being a man in a world increasingly critical of masculinity. I would also add whiteness in terms of that critical sensibility that's more heightened, like within the last 30 to 40 years at different periods and obviously different uh, police murders and other things that kind of set the world on fire or at least um, are part of the world. And so my concern is, I, as I mentioned in, in the website, uh, excuse me, the episode, I don't want to be, I don't want, I, I don't feel like the beauty of what the American experiment in terms of free speech can be fully digested by everyone. I feel like who's free speech and when? And so that we struggle, I don't struggle with Joe Rogan. I struggle with censorship. I struggle with tyranny and fascism. And I struggle with views that are not my own, views I find repulsive. I struggle with them, but I know, and I think that the internet is a great space to to really begin thinking about how information and misinformation and people have already done this already. So I'm not, it's not that we didn't start it already, but your average person isn't thinking as much as the gatekeepers would like them to think or not think they want them to believe what they're saying, the gatekeepers, but they don't want them to think 
to consider other viewpoints. So for me, the internet doesn't need to look like me or to only appease me and my views to be valued. In fact, I could spend a lot more time in the alt-right in terms of researching their views and thinking about some things, but not just the alt-right, but just having a space for different ways of thinking, which is what my point is. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. Hi, this is C. Travis Webb, and this is my note for this week's podcast uh, on our last discussion of Joe Rogan. And then also, you know, we talked about uh, the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Uh, a brief note to say that, uh, or remark to say that uh, uh, Seth won't be submitting his note this week. So you'll just be hearing Stephen and I. Uh, he had some technical difficulties uh, with his recording, which is actually what happened uh, with our recording last week, which I again apologize for um, our sound engineer. Chris Ebmeyer did the best he could to try and salvage uh, what was there, um, but uh, lost part of Seth's recording, and so had to kick over to Skype, and uh, so apologize for that. Uh, I don't have a lot to add right now uh, to the discussion, because I know we're going to pick it up again this coming week with uh, the three of us, and Stephen will have a bit more to say, or have a little bit more time to say it, because he, as we've both remarked, uh, he's more familiar with Joe Rogan's uh, podcast history than than either Seth or I are. Um, I stand by my impassioned defense of of Rogan and basically anyone else that uh, has anything that they want to say on any topic, uh, and I leave it to people's good judgment or bad judgment uh, to follow whom they will uh, and to do their own research as much as that gets made fun of. Um, I have become less and less and less elitist in my opinions as I've gotten older. Uh, honestly, the further I've gotten from uh, being inside of the academy, for good and ill. I mean, I've in some areas I've I've overcalibrated, I've overcompensated for some of that, and I try and tack back a little bit because I still still do very much value expertise, and I I regularly vet the sources that I read. Um, and you know, my, my commitment, my new maximalist commitment to free speech, which is an argument I probably would not have made five, six years ago. Uh, it would have been a probably, it would have been a defense of free speech, uh, but I don't know that it would have been maximalist. I would have uh, allowed for, uh, quite a few more exceptions, but that got pushed pretty far to the limit this week with the recent banning of RT, the Russian uh, network. Uh, I forget what the T stands for, but uh, basically this is an official news channel for the Russian government and is largely considered to be the equivalent of state propaganda. And this was pulled from uh, its distributors and you can't find it on YouTube and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's a harder one. Uh, obviously, I am... I have, I am morally very clear about where I stand on the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, I am very familiar with the counter arguments, the expansion of NATO uh, being a mistake, uh, the maiden revolution in 2014 being fomented by the CIA and the Obama administration. Like I'm up on all that stuff. I know those arguments. I'm not saying I know every single detail and that there aren't people that are better informed than I am, but I am very clear on the, the, the rough outlines uh, and even some of the smaller arguments around that, uh, I still don't care. Um, I it's this has 
in absolutely no way, shape or form, does it justify, excuse or diminish uh, Russia's responsibility for the invasion of Ukraine? Russia, Vladimir Putin or Putin's responsibility for the invasion of Ukraine. Um, it just that's just the way it works in my in my view of these things. The Iraq evasion, uh, the invasion of Iraq after 2000, uh, after the bombing on 9-11, or the, I'm sorry, not the bombing, what am I saying? The the uh, the terrorist attacks on the Twin Towers uh, and uh, outside the Pentagon uh, in, uh, in 2003 were absolutely, totally, and completely wrong. Totally wrong. Completely wrong. It, we did more to damage the Pax Americana, the post-World War II peace, and especially that reigned after the, the end of the Cold War, um, than probably Vladimir Putin has done right now. So completely and totally wrong. My, my morality doesn't shift uh, with uh, the nation we're talking about. So still completely, flatly, totally condemn Russia's invasion of Ukraine. I think we should be doing more. I don't know about a no-fly zone. That seems very precarious and very dangerous. Um, but I've spent the last week reading as much as I can uh, from um, geopolitical analysts um, that I trust and that have area expertise on this, um, and uh, as well as uh, some economists and geographers. Uh, and I have a slightly more complete understanding of of my opinion on, on the issue right now. But as far as RT goes, I think I have to condemn it. I think I have to say that, I mean, I think I have to condemn the banning of it. I think I have to say it's wrong to ban RT and that, you know, if you're going to let, if it was ever permissible to have this network on YouTube and whatever other outlets it finds itself on, if it was permissible to do that before 2022, it's got to be permissible today. Um, as much as I know that that causes potential havoc and as much as I know um, that network will do its best to cast the invasion of Ukraine in a flattering light and to amplify uh, what seemed to be fairly baseless uh, accusations of pogroms in the eastern uh, regions of Ukraine against ethnic Russians. Um, these have been looked at uh, uh, by sources that I uh, that I trust. And I mean, I don't know, obviously, I didn't go myself, but um, you know, human, right, human rights violations have happened on both sides, the Ukrainians and the Russians there. Um, but any any talk of, of outright pogroms or ethnic cleansing of of Russians in the eastern part of the country have not been corroborated by people who seem like they would care to corroborate it if they if they found this. So I'm talking about um, international uh, human rights watch groups. So even though I know RT would be pushing this stuff, and even though I I just I think no, I think RT should be able to have its channel on YouTube, and that's just the way it goes, and. Uh, you have to have some trust in the judgment of people to see through, you know, whether someone is a reliable narrator or not. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I know the Alex Jones example that, that Seth brought up and that I have volunteered is beyond the pale for me for very particular reasons. Uh, but it's not, I don't, 
as I reiterate or to reiterate what I said on the podcast, it is not beyond the pale that Joe Rogan would talk to him and even that that would be broadcast. But um, so it's not an easy position to take. It's really not. I mean, this is what, you know, I don't, I'm, I don't mean to be sanctimonious about it. I don't feel sanctimonious about it, but that's just what it means to have principles. They're hard to maintain, right? They're just because they're difficult and just because they lead to odious outcomes doesn't mean that we subvert the rule. And I'm not, I mean, subvert the principle, because I'm not talking about rules. I'm not, not to, to bring out too heavy of a philosophical word here, but I'm not a deontologist, right? I don't, this isn't a rule bound approach. Um, I am talking about what, what is often called virtue ethics. Um, and in, in doing everything that is possible to maximize, uh, individual liberties, because I believe that, that protecting individual liberties is the very best prophylactic we have against authoritarianism. It is the very best protection that we have against fascism. Um, it, everything that we can do to multiply, protect, and nurture individuals is what we should do. That should be the point of, that should be the focus of the rule of law in a liberal democracy, I believe. And so it means that even something like RT, it's got to have its space. Um, so that's my note for this week. Uh, you know, I'm obviously, what's happening in the world right now is, uh, I mean, it's terrible. And I also want to say, I want to remark, you know, I hear people that talk about, well, you know, where's our outrage for what's happening in, um, in um, uh, Yemen, What's I, I apologize, I couldn't, I drew a blank for a second. Uh, what's happening in Yemen? Uh, you know, there are war, wars all around uh, the world. I mean, the Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia's uh, prosecution of the war and the starvation that has followed from that is horrible and it's awful and it's wrong. Uh, and I'm not okay with that either. Um, I don't think that our compassion or, I, or, our, or our attention has to be so attenuated that there can't be room for all of that though. Uh, and so I'm, I'm sorry for that. I'm not just sorry. Like I, I, I mean, that sounds very uh, ineffectual and feckless, although there isn't really much I can do about it. Um, but it doesn't take away from the precariousness of the people in these regions of the world that are actively being, subjected to bombs, to munitions, to starvation, to thirst, to hunger, uh, all of the other awful privations that follow from war. So um, that's my note for this week. Um, and we'll catch up with you uh, this coming week with our continued conversation on Joe Rogan. Thanks very much.